Hey, this is David Hayter. You may know me as the screenwriter of films like X-Men, X-Men 2, and Watchmen, but you probably know me best as the voice of Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. And you're listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. Kept you waiting, huh? The Casanova Podcast, the number one podcast in Hawaii, is brought to you by these contributors on Patreon. If you'd like to see more content like this more often, as well as more podcasts, reviews, impressions, early access releases, live streams, and original content, then consider becoming a patron today. All right, and welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikel Casanova, and I have the honor and privilege of having both the CEO of Physicality Games, the one and only Bill Swartz, and the marketing manager of Physicality Games, David Bruno. Guys, how's it going? <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for that intro. I'm indeed Bill Swartz, often imitated, never copied. Hey. <laughs> like. I always get a new one from Bill. I love it every time. Um, and yes, I am David. Welcome, or, you know, thank you for having us. I really appreciate it. I was about awesome. to say welcome to the podcast, but we're your guests. So. <laughs> and for the record, David has all the brains, so he does all the work. Uh, <laughs> so uh, with that being said, go ahead and uh, introduce it, guys, yourself. There's, you know, plug your social media links, and yeah, let's talk about it. Like, let's talk about yourself some of your guys' hobbies and interests and i know we're going to dive into physicality games and why your guys uh, company is so amazing but yeah let's learn a little bit more about each and each of you guys sure bill want to start sure i'm right okay i'm bill and i'm a leo <laughs> i mean is there anything else to say so i'm um i'm the ceo of physicality um I'm basically the CEO from my desk to that trash can, and then David is kind of the CEO from his <laughs> paper shredder. And then Mika, our Japan office, the CEO all the way from her desk to the window. It's, it's remarkable. Um, but I've been in this business for, I should have it up before I got on, so really quick math, almost exactly 30 years. I um, Wow. Yeah, I, I got hired right out of college in 1987 by Koei. Um, which oh. I was employee 28 of Koei. Um, I was talking about desks earlier. So mm-hmm. at that time, like I said, I was employee 28, but we have, we're split around these sort of five pretty small offices in the same area. Mm-hmm. And in my office, there was this long table, six sort of stations. I don't know, it's just, this is a desk, which basically just a long table. It's like a big dining room table. Mm-hmm. And and then my friend sat next to me, and then you know, one over from him was Mr. Arakawa, who was you know the chairman and creator. Um, and then I, I was did, this was in Yokohama in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, did that for like nine months. I, I produced, although produce is kind of a self-aggrandizing term, it's more like product management. But in Japan, they call it product planning. But I was theoretically the producer 
of Nobunaga's ambition, the foreign version, mm-hmm. and the of the Three Kingdom. Um, and it was like, okay, you, this is way, this is old. This is, you know, in Japan, it was the 9801 and the 8801. If you remember those mm-hmm. machines in the U.S., like, oh, my God, if you can put it on Windows, I don't know. They would ever use a mouse. was one of the command line. Um, <laughs> but it was like, okay, you made it, you sell it. So um, I got to start Koi America with another javelin, which is an amazing experience. Chocolate up for better lucky than smart ran Koi America for a bit mm-hmm. uh, went to Activision I could talk for hours about that but um, joined Activision which at the time was called Mediagenic um, and was not particularly well run uh, got sent to the Mediagenic Japan office to help out for a couple of months which turned into a couple more months um, then we changed ownership. Um, the company overnight had a outing. It's a, um, it's a company outing. It's a really mm-hmm. good company outing. You're out. And you're out. And you and out. Um, and you know, overnight went from like a, maybe 130 people worldwide to six. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Um, I was told I could stay at Activision in Japan um, until they could find someone competent to replace me which I thought was a really, but you know what? Um, what? Yeah. Those were the words that changed my life. I will tell Cat, who was my former boss who got fired. Um, he's off the case. Try not to mess things up until I can find someone competent to replace you, um, <laughs> which I took as a challenge. So went out, um, got a bunch of projects, made some money, um, you know, and a year later I was managing director and 10, 11 years later I was still running it. So, it worked out just great. And, you know, an Activision, um, which needed a thorough cleansing, went from this sort of zombie company to the world-beating, incredible Activision it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really to, due to the genius of two men, Brian Kelly and Bobby Kodak. Um, they, they're just really, really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so um, was in Japan, time to come home. Parted with Activision, which was a really hard transition. Um, and then, you know, I took about a, what's it, not 18 months, a year, I don't quite remember, um, in this country, did some other things, and then started Mastiff, um, which was in itself a Russian grade, and it was a lot of fun, still is. Um, mm-hmm. Then, you know, yeah, about a year and a half ago, it was like, you know what, um, Mastiff is great, but Mastiff is entirely a sort of corporate-facing organization. By that I meant, you know, we made a game, we put it in a box, then you'd sell it to one of about 10 customers. They're one of the big distributors or, you know, some mixture of Best Buy, Amazon, GameStop, um, Walmart, Target, AFES, if you're, 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 you're a military kid, you know what AFES is, so the military exchange, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's all one, sort of one of those. And it's like, that's great, but how about some direct customer interaction and it's like, okay, great. What can we do? And that's where it's like, you know what, you know, Mastiff is, that is not what Mastiff is about. Mastiff is the developer publisher. We are not a retailer. We do not want to be a retailer, you know, stick to your knitting. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know what, but we could also be a retailer online. Um, and David was really excited about doing a business like that. And, you know, I have, 
um, immense respect for his thoughts. And it's like, yeah, you know what? We can pull it together. And so that kind of gets us to here. Um, the only thing I'll add, and you and I discussed this before the tape started rolling, but I think it's kind of it's cute, interesting, whatever, is you know, you're in Hawaii. Um, last time I was in Hawaii was it was to the day, or at least to yesterday. So the time difference, we'll call it to the day. Mm -hmm. um, 20 years ago when I got married, my anniversary was yesterday. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of cool that I've now got this tie-in back to Hawaii. <laughs> awesome. Happy anniversary. I didn't even know that. Happy anniversary. <laughs> David, you don't remember my wedding anniversary? I know. God, I'm such Gosh. a terrible. <laughs> so anyway, that's I'll make it up, yeah. Oh, oh, man. oh, I don't know how to follow that up. Um, I don't. I certainly don't have that incredible of a story. Um, Lies. <laughs> I, I really don't. That that that's really you know just amazing. Um, I started at Sony in QA. Um, kind of worked up to uh, one of assistant leads there and working on iToy games back in the day. Mm -hmm. Too. Um, left the Sony and went up to Boomerang, kind of back to the parents' house, and they were living up in the the mountains at the mm -hmm. time. Um, went to go work for a PR agency there. Um, just kind of started out. I uh, heard there was a, a video game job up there, and I was like, "Wow, up all the way up here, what the hell?" And um, it turned out to be uh, the agency um, that was working with Guitar Hero at the time, which was you know a little known game then. And they were mm -hmm. just starting to send out Guitar Hero copies. And um, since I didn't have PR experience at the time, I kind of started out just um, reaching out, office manager kind of style, and. Um, I would manage, you know, check the office operations, making sure, you know, almost secretarial like. Um, mm -hmm. And then I was also, you know, tasked with reaching out to to press, you know, which was entirely wildly new to me at the time, um, just to get them the Guitar Hero copies. But I mean, that was such a blessing in disguise because working with Guitar Hero, I mean, you're you're everybody was excited for that at the time. I mean, all the all the licensed songs, and it was just like mm -hmm. a rev revolutionary peripheral at the time, like. Um, so that, you know, put me in good graces with a lot of press contacts. So I was immensely, immensely appreciative of that, that responsibility and that opportunity. Um, and then as that went on, I stayed there for a few years and, you know, climbed to a PR manager, um, had a team of interns, uh, working under me that would handle all the, all the social media at the time, which was mainly, um, forums. I mean, social media, this was like early aughts. So social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, YouTube was just getting started. And, you know, so we were, we were brand new on trying to figure out how to do viral videos, you know, and, and so I, I'd, uh, you know, manage all this team of interns, make sure they're hitting the forums and talking about it, injecting themselves where they needed to be. And, um, it was very pioneer days of community management almost. Um, and so we learned as we went. And after that, I, I'd, uh, bounced back down to the Bay area where I was originally from. Um, I found an agency there in uh, Dublin, California, which is like super, super close to kind of where I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, I found an agency there that handled SNK titles. And I, I just I think everybody in the world has a soft spot in their heart for SNK titles. Um, Except and, the Smash Brothers friends. They're the ones who didn't know who Terry Bogard was. They're like, who is this? Uh, low rank yeah, yeah. wannabe? Well, and I was like, know. oh, my God, no. Yeah. Well, hey, it's an introduction for them, you know. Then maybe yeah. down the line, a few years from now, you're going to be hearing those same people just be like, "Oh my God, I love Fatal Fury or Sam Show or whatever." <laughs> um, so there you go. So, um, and yeah, so I, I absolutely loved SNK titles and still do. Um, I was always a big fan of Metal Slug and, and Samurai Showdown and, and Fatal Fury, the whole nine yards. So, mm -hmm. um, 
I had uh, gone to them and, you know, let them know who I was, where I was coming from, and, you know, that I was from the Bay Area. Um, and it just saved me a lot of time to going to an agency that uh, where I didn't have to make a full, like, weekend trip out of press tours, which at the time were far, far, far more prevalent um, and easier to do when there were sites like 1UP and, you know, you could go to Wired, 1UP, GameStop, Destructo, like, you could hit all those guys in a day. Um, and, and or turn a weekend out of it because there were just so many Bay Area outlets down at the time. Um, mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, sadly kind of dwindled quite a bit. Um, and so you either have to set up like a satellite kind of space to do a press tour, but uh, I, 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 you know, I digress. Um, at the time, it was really tough to go from the mountains all the way down to the Bay Area, you know, mm -hmm. do like a one day press tour and you're just exhausted, wiped. And, um, you know, I saw, I saw an opportunity to go to a different agency, learn something else. Um, and while at that agency, um, so I moved back down to the Bay Area and at that agency, that's where I met uh, this lovely gentleman right here. Um, Bill and you know we we started our you know our working relationship there and uh, with uh, Mastiff uh, I got introduced to their titles I think I came on board Bill probably right around right after you guys shipped Goodman PSP um, and then we we just like ramped straight into the 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 Wii titles and the Wii was such a great and I'm sure Bill could talk to, about this for days that it just lent itself so well to like you know pull cues and fishing rods and rifles and you know, the, the um, Wii Remote was just so versatile. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where we got our, our start. We worked on some DS games, uh, a slew of hunting and fishing games, and what were they called? Outdoor action line of games? Yeah, exactly. It's a whole yeah. other line. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole idea is um, that you looked around and there was one brand of outdoor games um, that had gotten huge. Um, and I'm stalling because I'm blanking on it. Cabela's, of course, Cabela's. And Cabela's had turned into like Windows 92 or something. It was just all sorts of features, but impossible to play. And so we came out with like the most simple outdoor games humanly possible. You mm -hmm. know, see the deer, you pull the trigger. That was the entire storyline. But, but they were fun and they were engaging and they worked. Sorry, David, I didn't interrupt. Oh, no, no. I was saying like the one right behind you, Deer Drive. Oh, that is correct. Yeah, it's or, not the banner's not always there. Sorry, probably, <laughs> probably forgot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, spent some time there at the agency. So I have about I had about at the time what six years or so of PR. I'm asking Bill this, like he should know a bit more better than I. Um, six years of industry, you know, gaming PR experience under my belt by that point. And then moved on to um, work a bit with Psionics in San Diego for a little while. Uh, the project we were working on got scrapped, which was just a bummer. Um, uh, the developer, such a young kid at the time, um, was also with, ironically worked on a title that I had promoted with South Peak at Reverb at the time. He's a lead developer. Um, kid's a total genius. Um, I mean, he could orchestrate the most crazy stuff and make it work. And uh, he's brilliant with development um, and coding. So that game got scrapped, though. I guess they burnt through. Uh, they were just way, way, way overshot their budget. And so it just from Psionics was doing the multiplayer aspect at the time. And it was a it was a first person shooter. I'm sure if you did a little digging online, you could probably find it. Um, but um, so that got scrapped, um, which meant my job got absolved, and just I wasn't needed for the time because I was actually acting as producer um, at the time, since I was familiar with the team working on supersonic rocket power, rocket powered acrobatic battle cars. It's the first time in like a decade I've stumbled on that name. Um, so I worked on that with them, and then um, came back to the Bay Area, worked at Sega for a bit. Um, and then uh, worked with a very, very, very prominent visual novel publisher on Steam. Um, 
maybe we started talking then. I'm not sure. Um, but worked with a visual novel publisher for a while. Um, I think the, we did, yeah. The speed and rate they were turning out games or releasing games, though, was just insane. I mean, I did a full count of everything that I, all the pots that I had my hand in. Mm-hmm. Um, just purely do, trying to do PR, trying to get, you know, like IGN to cover visual novels or some of the bigger, you know, bigger top tier sites to understand them, that they weren't just storybooks or something, you know, and, and that there was meaning and content there. Um, that some of the some of the visual novels were, you know, kind of like choose your own adventure style. Um, and that a lot more went into them and they weren't just for like, you know, the weeb audience or the otaku audience or whatever. Um, so trying to convey that message, but also trying to be like, hey, you have to release this next game in like a week. So at last count, it was like 26 games in one year that I was like working on. It's like, if you do the math, that's like two games, or that's like a game every other week. You have to prepare, write a, rest, write a press release, try to get coverage for it. And it was just like, you're cannibalizing your games, like yeah. stop releasing them so fast. And the, you know, just my feedback wasn't getting through. And so I was just like, you know, enough is enough. And then, um, at that time, it perfectly worked out. I mean, the the planets were aligned, um, and Bill had actually come, came to me at the time, I think, and said, you know, we have Goodman 3D lined up. Um, and I was like, oh my God, let's let's you know, let's do it, let's rock it, let's knock it out of the park. And um, you know, we got, uh, I think we got at our last count like 90 plus reviews for the game. Like it was just insane. Like we did, uh, you know, full court. When I just went, you know, excuse the expression, just boss to the wall nuts, you know, with and just mm-hmm. blanketed coverage for the game and as much as I could and. Um, really, and I think it's it's a game that also uh, people were asking for to come to to a Nintendo platform. So it was just like a it was a perfect time. It was just and then from that point on, it's just you know then we released uh, um, you know a party game on Switch and or a multiplayer party game, I guess you can call it um, uh, Party Planet. And then we you know gone on from there. And then released a few games across PS4 and uh, Xbox 360 and um, Home Sweet Home being one of the most recognizable. Um, and that one was just a blast that allowed me to kind of return to uh, horror games. And I, I mean, working with at Sega, you know, I got to work on House of the Dead a bit. Um, uh-huh. Rise of Nightmares, a little known Kinect title, um, also from the same dev team who worked on uh, House of the Dead. Um, but I'm a big horror fan, too. Um, I love horror movies. Like you see alien figures and then maybe a Jason hockey mask there. And actually there's a Jason Madball, Friday 13th Madball above me. And like Tales from the Crypt, Crypt Keep. Like, I love horror movies. Like I'm a humongous horror movie fan, um, but uh, so working on Home Sweet Home, uh, it was just it was so awesome. Like I love horror movies, I love horror games. Like working on uh, Deadly Premonition was super fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot, you know, something that a lot of people know is just that, that you know it was a pol- super polarizing title on 360. So taking that, um, taking that like controversy almost if you will, if you will, and then spinning mm-hmm. that and opening the gates as wide as you possibly could for the director's cut when, when that came around. Um, that was a blast. We, I felt almost felt bad for Swery's translator, Tomio Kanazawa at the time, um, because he, he was having to translate everything into English. And he was just, he was losing his voice at some point because we had so many interviews lined up for them over the course of two days that he just couldn't Ooh. do it anymore. And I was just like, man, you are such a trooper. I'm so happy you're here to do this. And you know he wants to translate and he wants to promote the game, but God, we ran him ragged. And, you know, and my hat it goes off to Swery and Tomio for that. They they were just total troopers going through that that press tour. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, and now we get Slayway Camp, and so it's been a blast to work on horror games. 
And uh, I guess that kind of brings us up to speed. So from Mastiff and then transitioning into physicality, just saw an opportunity to do something great and try to do it better. Awesome. Awesome. And, and what would you guys say like would be the, like that one catalyst moment that was like the deciding factor of this is, we're going to create physicality games and bring more choices to gamers. Bill, I'm not sure which side you're going to be on here. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just trying to think because there wasn't one moment. It, it was an ongoing force. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think what we saw, um, I, I guess there's sort of a push and a pull. So part of the push was purely dynamics of the business. Um, you know, we lived in a world where, and I don't remember the exact number, you can Google it, but, you know, something like 85% of industry revenue, at least on the council side, will be done by the top 15 titles, and there'll be three, 4,000 titles released. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's insane when you think about it. Um, and although we're very lucky, you know, we're probably one of the smallest, if not the smallest, of the fully viable, you know, fully in retail publishers. But, you know, every time we turned around, it just got more and more expensive. Now, when I say more and more expensive, we were still spending, you know, amounts of money on a product that was almost literally a catering budget, you know, for an EA or an Activision. But mm-hmm. a lot of money um, getting on the shelves was getting more expensive. Um, and in some ways, less fun. You know, it used to be, you know, you made a game and it was always a collaboration. You made the game, you're like, wow, this is great. Um, you know, you took it to your accounts, you got it in the store, people bought it, people told you what you thought, they thought about it. You went back and forth with your fans, like, this is great. You did another one. And that was, that was sort of really comfortable. Um, but, you know, you get put in a position where on the one hand, you're competing against companies that have, two, three, four hundred million dollar development budgets, and then two, three, four, five hundred million dollar um, um, marketing budgets. And so they're spending, you know, six, seven, eight hundred million dollars. You're talking now about more money that goes into, than goes into major motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, then some of them will make back a billion dollars, you know, in the first three days. So that's over here. And it's like, well, this is really great. We really, really, really worked hard, and we managed to put $900,000 into this. You know, it's just no comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, of course, you're competing with the – how many games are in the App Store right now? I, I literally don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. But literally millions, the average one of which will have, I think, 14 downloads. At one point, I think that was it, 14 downloads. Um, and that means the developer downloads it a few times, maybe his family and friends download it a few times, and maybe a robot gets it. Um, mm-hmm. but, and those don't need to make money. You know, those are purely hobbies, except for the you know, 5,000 of serious business. So mm-hmm. between these two, um, you know, where do you live? How do you compete? Um, and we were really successful doing these really quality kind of niche titles. You know, Home Sweet Home being a good example. It's a really fun game. And it worked, and people bought it for what it was. But more and more, it really felt like, you know, we were doing Blair Witch Project against everyone else's, you know, the Avengers. And it's like, okay, if that's who you are and you want to continue making the Blair Witch Project, that was not long enough ago. I hope the audience knows what I'm talking about. But, <laughs> oh, it's uh, fine. I think you're saying you're good. <laughs> there, there is a movie recently in Japan, by the way, called, I think it's called One Cut Movie. Um, mm-hmm. over a weekend, same kind of idea. Um, everything was done in a single take. Um, 
that met with a lot of success too. Just a little side note, but same idea as Blair Witch Project, which was done on a shoestring, but was still managed to be real quality. So mm-hmm. we're going to continue doing these sort of indie games, um, but we want to access mainstream audiences. Um, and you know, retail is getting more and more expensive, and you're getting more and more squeezed there because you know the big retailers would rather carry a thousand copies of the. T- 10 biggest games and rather than 100 copies of the 100 good games, what do you do? It's like, okay, well, why don't we try our hand at being a retailer? Um, you know, I hate to say how hard can it be because that's famous last words, but that was almost the thought. You know, it would be really great to have direct relationships with our buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, had, that I think that emotion had been building for probably five years. Um, I guess if there was one moment for me, and I think David probably has a really different kind of take on this, where it's like, okay, great. It goes back to the, the um, Google Sprint book, which really laid out what I thought was a great methodology for quickly planning a new company. And it's like, okay, well, we've sort of been wanting to do this. No one here knows anything about, well, that's not true. I mean, we've all, actually, I think everyone in the company at some point has had some brief sort of retail job, but mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean you know how to run a retailer. Um, and so as a company, I, I think without diminishing anyone, I can say we knew nothing about retail, but it's like, okay, fine. We'll follow this blueprint. We'll kind of, um, game it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll give it a shot. And that's sort of how it happened, but it was no aha moment, at least not for me. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. It's kind of fair. Okay. Um, so when we, when we did start, I will add that when we did start kind of pitching the idea around um, and we were kind of discussed this a bit before, um, was the, uh, the whole, you know, trying to get, uh, trying to get a game too, was becoming at the time increasingly difficult. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't mean like a triple A title or something. I mean, like with the, the direct, you know, uh, digital to physical retailers online was becoming super hard and it was just getting really frustrating, not only for myself as a, as a gamer, um, where, as I had mentioned to you before, we, you know, kind of started, it was, you know, I was placing post-it notes on my on my mm-hmm. monitor, just finding like a product that was in stock, so I could find the add to cart buttons and find the checkout button to get to that checkout screen where I knew the button was going to be. And um, I didn't like battling it; like it sold out faster than I could get it. Just and it's like, well, what are your options? Like your options go to eBay, go to the Facebook group or something, and and try to buy one for three times, four times the price. It's like what? It's like no. If I want a game, I want to be able to buy a game. I want to be able to get it, you know, like at the price it's being sold for, not mm-hmm. for crazy. It's, I'm not trying to like buy like um, Magic Knight Ray or if there's something on Saturn that's not made anymore, you know, then I have to turn to a, a small mm-hmm. mom and pop shop or something. It's, 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 it's a current gen console game. Like you just made it. Why do I have mm-hmm. to pay like a hundred dollars for it on eBay now? So, and that was another kind of, that was my light bulb moment for me. Like that was just like, okay, this sucks. Like let's, let's try to fix this. Okay. Do you guys feel like with the the shift in the gaming uh, landscape, like with this more of a push towards digital and then with less and less retailer options being made available, do you guys think that not only for yourselves with physicality games, but like the the industry as a whole, do you think this is going to impact like the the entire industry, like this digital push, I guess you could say? Yes and no. Um, and the, I mean, the obvious big picture answers was when you aggregate the statistics, of course it will. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 
now really like sucks to be GameStop. Um, and, you know, their stock price, I think, reflects that. So, obviously, yeah, it's a huge chain in the channel. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to favor certain players. It's going to hurt other players. You know, if you're a uh, Microsoft or even a Google stockholder, or for that matter, Sony stockholder, you're probably laughing all the way to the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there is one other big side of it that it's really easy to forget about. Um, and that's the sheer scale of the industry. Um, mm. And that expresses itself in kind of weird ways. So for one of my favorite fun facts that's both true and profoundly meaningful um, is that up until you get into sort of the million unit seller category, um, there is literally no correlation between the number of units of a title you will sell and the number of units in the installed base of the target platform. So it doesn't matter if you're on a platform that has 24 million installed units or three mm-hmm. installed units is utterly irrelevant until such time, of course, as you get into, you know, the million unit seller. And then of course, you know, the number of game consoles out there sort of caps it out, mm-hmm. but usually you don't have that problem. And the reason for that is the whole ecosystem is so big that you're kind of speaking to an audience or you're not. So, I mean, for a long time, you know, five years after the Sega Saturn went away, you know, their shooting games would come out every year and sell 50,000 units, you know, mm-hmm. it was a lot of gravity. And that's because there were still enough unit, enough, such a big universe of hardware floating around that, you know, and a demand for it that there'd be enough people to soak up 50,000 units at full price. Um, and, you know, same thing sort of for physicality and for physical games and what we offer. Um, you know, our audience buys our games for a bunch of different reasons. Some are collectors um, who just really like having it on their shelves. And, you know, that's one of the reasons, um, tend to get up and grab one, you know, why we work so hard on it. Actually, I will. Can you hang on one second? Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. I'm mentioning through stuff. Um, so these are empty, the games are in. And then that's why we've worked really hard on things like these tins. You know, mm-hmm. you're not gonna I got one right here in my desk. Yeah, you're not gonna have a you're not gonna have a crushed box with this, believe me. Um nice. check out the display window. Again, this one happened happens again. There you go. Rolling gunner one. There you go. Exactly. Nice. Um, so, you know, so our some of our customers are collectors and they want mm-hmm. it just beautiful and they like having it. And that's great. Um, some of our customers are what we call frugal gamers and they mm-hmm. want it as a physical copy, either because they know that at some point if they get bored with it, they can sell the physical copy, which you can't do with a digital download or mm-hmm. because they don't plan on selling it. But they also know that if they download their machine, and then they upgrade the machine, you know, the machine breaks or whatever, they may well mm-hmm. play the game. And they like having, you know, the physical thing that they can just reinstall at any time. Um, and then some gamers are a mixture of all of the above. But, you know, the fact is, because it is such a big, 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 big universe, you know, mm-hmm. as the world goes to streaming, which it will inevitably, I think there's going to be demand for physical product for, you know, those two sets of reasons for quite a while. Okay. okay. I think yeah, and I do think that gaming history history repeats itself in a sense that you're going to take something away and it'll it'll have its resurgence. Um, you know, as you see a lot of 
uh, like SNK, like this shock box style of thing coming back and there is demand for it. Like people are like, yes, I want this. So, you know, eventually you're probably gonna see a lot more reprints and recreations of, of older gen games too, I bet. Um, you know, I am 8-bit, they're doing that. They're doing a kick-ass job with that. Um, with the, like the, their SNES or their Super Nintendo parts. Like, so yeah, there will always be a demand for physical for physical media from a very, if it's smaller, a very loud, small group. Um, okay. you know, it, sadly, retail, I don't think is ever going to be what it once was. I mean, I look at like Fry's now and all these other big retailers yeah. kind of like closing up and it, it, it breaks my heart, dude. Like I walked into a Fry's before this whole thing happened mm-hmm. um, recently. Um, and every time I, go, I I would go into one, and even when Toys R Us was kind of going down, um, I would just buy something just because I wanted to support. You know, it wasn't going to change the world mm-hmm. for them, but I just wanted. I it, it made me feel good, like to support. You no, know, I was supporting physical media still, and um, and their partners too. Um, and so I went and bought like the Maniac on Steelbook on Blu-ray or something, and you know, just from Fry's. But when I went in there, it honestly, God, it gave me a lump in my throat. Like I hate, I hate seeing retail die like that like retail yeah. it's like you know I'd, I'd spend whenever i'd have a break in school like if i had a couple hours break at uh, college like i would go to fries and just browse through horror movies like and I, it, it seriously breaks my heart knowing that kids you know growing up now just won't have that opportunity anymore but um where there is a will there definitely most certainly is a way um you know and and i i i definitely commend Everybody in the space, you know, limited run, uh, strictly limited, super rare, um, special reserve, game fairy, all these, all these, you know, companies that are trying to keep media alive. Like, there's totally room for everyone in this pot. Like, um, and uh, you know, I, I love, you know, it's it's a bummer when it's like, oh, they announced that game. It's like, damn, I wanted that game um, mm-hmm. to pick that game up for us or whatever. But you know, it, it's getting made. It's getting it's getting a physical copy. Like, how cool is that? Like, it's it's still uh, there's still demand for it. So. Um, you know, there are people and you see them all the time. Like if you go to slick deals at all ever, like, um, that mm-hmm. are like super, like, why, why does physical matter? I can pick this game up on the eShop for like five cents. And the eShop has just been, and I'll quote our community manager, real on this one, a uh, race to the bottom. And it's so true. <laughs> like you look at these games, it's just like, why is everybody trying to outdo one another? Like by putting their games on sale for pennies. And it's just yeah. like you get, you get a blip on the popular games, but who's going to remember the publisher and developer behind that? Nobody. Yeah. They might remember the game. They might be like, oh, I picked this shit up for, sorry. I picked this up. Oh, no, you can like, swear. It's fine. It's up for like 10 cents. And it's just like, cool. But, you know, what is that What is that conditioning players to do? Yeah. Buy games for 10 cents. So, you know, um, and then when something physical comes out, you have that argument of, well, why should I pay $30 for this game that you busted your ass to make? when I could pick it up for 10 cents. And it's like, ah, why do people do These are people who are happy to spend, you know, $6 at Pete's on a cup of coffee. At the sea, yeah, in the same vein. That's very true. Very, very, very true. Myself <laughs> uh, included. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I'll nail, not going to nail myself to the cross here. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of buying games for, for pennies. I won't shy away from that. But if, mm-hmm. a, if an opportunity to pick up a physical copy or, comes around, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, you bet. Like, I mean, granted, my backlog is growing by the week, but, uh, you know, I love physical media. Like, I love mm-hmm. buying DVDs. Yeah, I love collecting steelbooks. I love uh, toys and crap. Like, I mean, <laughs> maybe I'll have some crazy Pharaoh-style underground tomb with all this shit buried with me, but, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with all of it. But, you know, I, do I get joy out of it? Yeah, it's temporary. Sure, it's material. But I do love physical media, um, and that's, you know, uh, 
that goes into our passion too for for physical for physicality games. Um, okay. But a very long-winded response again. I'm sorry. I don't know no. what happened. My coffee must have kicked in hard late. Like, but uh, um, I do I do think there's always going to be a market for physical media. I do. No, no, it's fine. I, I th- see these are the type of conversations I enjoy, like the organic conversation where we can, you know, I guess can just talk openly about things and we can just go from there. We'll branch wherever it goes. And, you know, I, I'm glad you, you brought up like, you know, the eShop as an example, because I know a lot of gamers uh, that have this mentality, especially like when I review a game or I know other content creators that review games or journalists and, you know, will frequently get asked like oh is this is this worth the money you know should i just wait for a sale and you have a lot of people that really think that oh this game comes out uh i'm not gonna buy it you know and i'm not telling people what to do with their money you know your their money their choice but it's really something when i see the mentality of a lot of gamers where and, and maybe there's a bias for me because i know so many people in the industry so many people that work on games and i've had the opportunity to work with capcom Resident Evil 3 remake, you know, them coming out here doing recording for the audio, the voiceover, and other things. Just seeing the amount of work that goes into making a game and then seeing, I guess, the people who would buy the end product be like, oh, that was a cheap cash grab. Oh, well, yeah, it, 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 ah, it, it, it's it, painful. It, like, it's, yeah. it, it like you, you do know how much goes into this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally understand, and that's that's exactly right. Like, it's like if you want to support your the developer, if you want to support the game, pick it up. Like, you know, don't yeah. wait till it goes down to three bucks or two dollars or pennies. Um, you know, if you want to wait for a sale till it's ten, twenty percent off, cool, go for it. Like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, if if you if you're interested in it and you have that core impulse, like, just do it. Like, don't yeah. don't question it. It's what what do you what are you gonna lose if you're living? And I feel bad almost if you're living your life worried about um and i granted everybody doesn't have the same budget or the same um you know leisurely sp- and the money they can leisurely spend mm-hmm. but if you're looking at video games in the first place you, you maybe and you know you you're not in a financially uh stable spot maybe you should not be looking at video games <laughs> and mm-hmm. focus on other important things but uh, you know i, I i'm not going to point fingers but um you know, maybe that, uh, uh, you know, support what you, you know, what you want to, what you want to support. If you, if you like a game, pick it up. Um, yeah. If you want to support the publisher, developer, help them when it, help them at, at you know, at, at its, its prime, at, when it counts most. Um, don't wait until they have to, you know, resort to desperate measures just to compete with um, either triple A's or uh, another game that's, you know, doing the whole penny just to get the spotlight feature. Uh, penny sales to get the spotlight feature when they're just like, well, my game's not selling because I'm trying to be trying to be competitive as best I can with my budget mm-hmm. as a developer, um, and I can't, you know, decrease my margins to 10% because I'm not I'm making a fraction of a penny off each sale. You know, that doesn't work for my budget, so I have to stick to 10% off or um, 20% off, and then you know, you're looking at all these other games running rampant on the eShop just so they can get a little bit of boost of coverage because there's no marketing on the eShop really. Um, mm-hmm. And they took out the you know game reviews and all these other features. Um, I'm not bagging on Nintendo for this. I'm just saying it's 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 kind of mm-hmm. just a rough, rugged style to get attention to your game um, on the yeah. eShop. So you know, so I'm just saying support what you love. You know, if if you have to, don't wait until the game goes on sale for 90 percent off. Um, yeah. 
pick it up. You're supporting the industry. Uh, play the game. If you don't like it, you know, then that's a loss. Yeah. Uh, you know, you didn't you didn't spend you didn't buy a Mercedes <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know, so it it, it it really like you know it. The other thing with that too is like I I know a lot of gamers they'll wait till a game is like ninety percent off, seventy five percent off, eighty percent off. And then they'll get it, and they're like, "Oh, I wonder why people didn't play this game. I wonder why it didn't get a sequel." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> yeah. Exactly my point. Yeah, very true. And I and I hate to say, I hope I don't come off like an ass about all that. No. And, you know, um, it's just something like, yeah, it's just it makes me scratch my head. And if you probably blasted through my Twitter wall, I probably asked that question like 50 times, like. Like, why are people doing this to themselves? You're just classically conditioning players to wait for sales. Um, mm -hmm. and of course, Steam is the biggest culprit of all this. Um, but, um, you know, at, at one point, Steam had reasonable sales. And then, and, you know, all the games on the eShop, when they just started dipping, like extreme dipping, then you yeah. have to reflect that on Steam, too, because then Steam has to compete with that. Um, and especially if it's a kind of a console agnostic title where it's on multiple platforms. Uh, you have to compete with those sales prices, and then, and then every time we do, like we just did an unHalloween sale for uh, with Microsoft for Home Sweet Home, mm -hmm. and you should have seen my face for like the whole week, just like thinking about how much do we discount it? How much of our, how much is of uh, like will you know uh, Dead by Daylight or or uh, Outlast? How much of those games going to be off? You know what what's the discount going to look like for them? Are mm -hmm. we going to shoot ourselves in the foot? You know if we don't put it on sale for seventy five percent off or something. Um, so it's it then it becomes a struggle too. So you have to think like about what what other developers and publishers are going through too. Just thinking that well, my game's not selling because I'm trying to put it on sale and do something good for ten percent off, twenty percent off. But mm -hmm. you know these other publishers, developers who who have capacity and bandwidth um, to to put their games on sale for 90 percent off or seventy five. You know that's it make it makes those other publishers look bad. Yeah. Or or just like you know oh why isn't this game seventy five percent off? They can do it. It's just not always that black and white so it's like just yeah. support what you like you know exactly. don't wait for those crazy deep discount sales exactly and you know leading into my next question like uh you know with there being other outlets you know for getting special editions collector's editions for games you got like i said before playasia you got limited run games you got strictly limited like in in your own words for both of you like what makes physicality games the go-to choice for gamers I would say, so first off, um, you know, I expect gamers to buy the products they want. You mm -hmm. know, go to whoever has the good products. Number one and first most is because the games are compelling. The experience mm -hmm. is compelling. It's great games. It's great packaging. Our deluxe editions are second to none. Um, you know, it's not like you hand us your money and then you get something or whatever back. I mean, you're doing it because you want to get a product. And mm -hmm. our, our products are great across the board. Um, that's most important. Then after that, it is the softer things. Um, I think our community is kind of a big deal. Um, the ability to follow people with similar tastes, see what they bought, buy the same thing. Um, although I don't think it's enough to make a purchase decision. You know, the fact that we are out of our own pocket, which is kind of hard sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. to give to charity as a way of saying thank you, a charity of the buyer's choice, I should add. And we have a million and a half charities in the database, um, which is a lot. Um, yeah. Because you know, we'll give to charity out of our own pocket um, as a way of thanking you for buying. You know, that's kind of a big deal. 
Um, and one other thing that I think should tip the scales a little bit is the factor of making it really easy. Um, we're not asking for the purchase price. We're asking for a $5 deposit. And then, you know, when we get ready to hit manufacture, we'll ask you for the balance. But it's not like virtually every other company out there where it's like, well, give me, you know, 50, 60, 70, 120, $200 mm -hmm. right now, and you'll get a game at some undetermined point in the future. It's like, no, give us $5. Um, we'll get these out to you as quickly as possible. If you're interested in the details, go to our website, physicalitygames.com, and mm -hmm. look at the product status page. I mean, that's linked right off our internal product management system. You can see where the art is in the process. You can see where the code is. I mean, it's kind of a mini course in game development and manufacture. Yeah. Um, it's all transparently there. And you're only putting down $5 anyway. I think mm -hmm. that should be a big incentive. Um, and lastly, and you're just going to have to take my word for it until you get involved, you know, is a culture. Um, we really mm -hmm. do everything we can to take care of our customers. We are grateful for their business. We will treat them well and with respect. Um, and their support of us not only gets them, you know, really great games, not an empty box like after my <laughs> um, um, but it allows us to continue putting out great games and great deluxe editions. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I will add that there, there has been, and I'll be 100% honest, skepticism with the community because they're, you know, are they uncertain of getting a game maybe because um, the way our system works. Um, mm -hmm. And we, over the last two months since we launched the site, or, you know, first initially launched the site in like a soft launch phase at the end of March, um, you know, we learned a lot. We took all that feedback from the community, um, everything that came in, it was it was extremely considered. I mean, we, we battled ourselves internally, like at, at full length and discussion on, on calls daily, on Discord, on phone, on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, talking about, can we implement this? Does this make sense? Um, everything went to a vote. Um, we all, all, all speak. I mean, there's no real, um, we don't stick to a very rigid structure of like, this person's at the top, this person's here, everybody. And Bill is, you know, I commend Bill of all people for, you know, Mastiff's and physicality speaks with one voice, but we all have, you know, a, a good amount of say in the company. If something makes sense, you know, you could be, you, we don't have a shipping department per se, but you could be in shipping and receiving, you know, and like mm -hmm. just be, be like, oh, I, I have, I have something to say. Hey, you bet your ass. We'll listen to it. Like, mm -hmm. we, you know, we want to make that super, super clear. And that's one of the things challenging challenges as you know, coming from PR marketing background is, um, and then I will admit full fault to this is we, you know, we focus so much on the products on making sure the the game was like perfectly aligned in the 10 window or um, running that 10, like you would have, you have no idea how hard these 10s are to get approval on, by the way, <laughs> approval from Nintendo, um, which is a whole nother battle in itself. I mean, we went to Nintendo with these 10s. We went to, you know, uh, flew up there, um, presented what we had to them and we got their buy off on the 10s. Like you, you don't, you have never seen these before, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you might have seen a steel book in Best Buy or something, but, um, seeing a game in a, in a tin with a, a window to present your game, never. It's always been like a cardboard box with plastic or something. Um, so, and we fought for these because like we thought they were really kick ass. Um, and, it, you know, getting that messaging out that um, to bring this around, 
um, we spent a lot of time on the products and the goods and you know code submission and on the product status page we're being super hyper transparent about this i mean it's an unrivaled amount of detail and mm -hmm. you bet your butt like if people come back to us and say they want more detail happily give it to them like we had to we i, I think bill and our social media manager real fought me on this because i wanted more detail like and they're like well you're being way too granular right now and I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. We are. Because I was like, oh, the 10, you know, the 10 lid is approved or like the R on this has been approved. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm such a stickler for detail uh, myself. So everything that we've been working on has, you know, had uh, the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted. Um, we spent such a long time focusing on that, that now we really have to pick up um, the, the actual marketing aspects, the actual PR aspects of the site um, and really, you know, have a laser focus on that stuff. But one of the communication points that I feel like I personally fall, uh, have failed on is really establishing that, you know, Mastiff uh, as, is the, you know, physical publisher behind all these games on physicality. One of the things I feel like I failed at is really communicating that with our audience and our fans. It's like, nobody's trying to pull the wool over your eyes or pull a fast one on you. Um, it's like, we have a long history of, you know, getting games in retail, publishing games of, you know, being publisher developer. It's like, mm -hmm. You know, we want to see these games made, um, and and we we have the know-how, the experience, the skill sets to to get them made. Um, I just realized I was hitting my desk and shaking the camera, and I was like, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we're we're super hyper passionate about everything we have, um, and I really, really, really can't wait to like expand upon some of the features now that the grand opening is kind of here. Um, you know, expanding upon the community features, um, which I you know we'll be running a little contest for soon. Um, but I'm like hyper excited to see people build out their profiles and actually use them to their full potential. I mean, they have so much potential. Like, I can't wait till it gets to the point where people are recognizing what the the community features hold for them. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you, you have an ability to copy your link to your profile, add your full set of, um, you know, uh, PSN ID, your Xbox tag, your Steam ID, your Nintendo friend code, um, and all your social platforms. Um, so. You know, you can you can blast that link to your profile everywhere. It's like it has all of your stuff in one spot. It's like a digital gamer business card of sorts. So, once people start understanding that, we get the message out. You know, I think I think the site has a lot of potential to really resonate. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. So, uh, one yeah. No. <laughs> No, so one of these, like, I, I definitely want to uh, to ask about is like with the the grand opening. Like, how has that been so far? Like. It's. I know it's been a long week. It's been uh, many months and years of build up towards this grand opening. How does it feel? Like, has a lot of the stress come off, or has it been, you know, like how is it? How has it been for you guys? I'll keep this one super hyper short. Um, no, dude, don't don't, don't like limit a, yourself. <laughs> uh, it feels like a weight's been lifted, but at the same time, it. Uh, you know, we we pull back the curtains. Mm -hmm. Now you're you're playing uh, like oh we got to clean up the tape where we had that person masking and standing on the stage you know you got to do all the fine tuning and 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 now the the show starts really mm -hmm. you know? so it's like yes we got past the the start line <laughs> you know it's and that's, that's the start line it's like now we have the race ahead of us yeah so, I mean, honestly not... I, yeah I would say it was about five minutes of thinking wow this is great oh yeah some people notice this is great and then after that it was just right back to making it work. Yeah, you know, doing it every day. Okay. No, which is awesome. I mean, I would love to do it every day. It, it's like, but keeping keeping the train, you know, the coal in the engine, keeping it running and going, that's going to mm -hmm. be 
biggest priority for all of us now. Okay. Okay. And um, one of the other things like I, I want to, to go back towards is one of the things that you guys are doing differently than any of your competitors, which is very, very, I, I, I would say in a way it's disrupting the market in a positive way is with the ability to do a $5 deposit. Like that right there, like how do you guys feel? It, it, I, I can see how it's disrupting the market in the sense of like people are like, whoa, is this real? Like I, I've got like before we, we did the show, like when I was reaching out to my community, there was a lot of questions. They're like, is this real? Are they really doing that? I'm like, yeah, go to the website, physicalitygames.com. Yes. So it's like, how do you guys feel about uh, making that decision? And, and what are you seeing as far as like the competition, how people are being receptive to that? Um, I'm going to answer really um, bluntly and say, I feel like an effing idiot. We didn't do that much sooner. It was the honest <laughs> thing to do, completely consistent with our values. Um, and the fact is, you know, we're not going to touch the money we receive for a product until we ship the product anyway. So, I mean, if anything, it's better because I don't have to be responsible for holding someone else's money that, you know, I'm not going to spend. Um, so no, I feel great about it. Like I say, it's a great move. I just wish we'd done it, you know, from soft launch day one. Unfortunate, but, you know, as I was saying, like, I, I really love, you know, there be, to be room for everyone and everybody to have fun. But yeah, I, I thought it was, for sure the right move to do the $5 thingy too, especially, you know, at a time when, you know, money is tight for everybody, everybody still wants to spend and buy, uh, you know, buy cool items and stuff um, and not be overwhelmed either by product. You know, it's not our intention to, to friggin' exhaust our customers, you know, mm -hmm. our fans. it's like rapid fire releasing. It's just, just to, you know, try to soak up um, their funds and be like, well, I can't spend because, you know, I already spent $500 on this site. It's just like, no, nah, not our intention. It's like, we just want to make cool games and release them at a, you know, that was another thing is customer fatigue is super real. Um, when yeah. we did our focus tests, that was one of the biggest complaints we received was, you know, I, I just don't, like, I can't keep up with the number of releases that some of these people do are, are putting, churning, churning out. Um, there's collectors, you know, that want, want to have complete sets or want to own everything, but it just comes so hard because, the, the financial strain on them is huge right now. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, taking all that to consideration and, you know, and talking internally between all of, all of us, um, that that was one of the things that arose from that was like, how do you ease financial strain on people right now? And it's just like, boom, we're sitting on, we're, why are we sitting on people's pre-orders right now? Let's give them an opportunity to just like relax a bit, you know, here's, how about $5 down? Like, you know, I mean, with GameStop, you know the game is getting made. It's you know you'll put your five dollar pre order in. Mm -hmm. You know it's going to be in a GameStop. So sometimes, and people have kind of gotten wise to that. It's just like, why am I pre ordering? I'm not getting any major benefit. You know, back in the day, like you'd go into Funko or wherever, mm -hmm. and five dollar pre order got you some cool, sh cool stuff. So like like there's a Chrono Cross clock above me, right? Damn it, there. Um, I see it. <laughs> you know, uh, so you know that was a pre order item. Like there was some cool stuff in front of pre orders. So. You know that it made sense to throw five dollars down. Now it's like if you go into a GameStop and throw a five dollar pre-order, it's like why? Now you're going to get it. The only opportunity I might have is not getting a gutted copy. <laughs> like you know, um, I have so, stories about that. <laughs> the last last three games I've ordered from GameStop uh, uh, with their you know pickup delivery service thingy now have all been gutted copies. And I'm just like, ah. but they're yeah. brand new. Yeah, it's like I want to open it on <laughs> many time though. 
Well, and I don't. I, I really. I'm gonna open it anyway. I don't mind. It, the only reason, like, I don't open games sometimes is if it's like a cool shmup, like, like a cool deluxe edition or a collector's edition that I like. I really like, and I want to buy two of them, so I'll keep mm-hmm. one side. Um, or, or if it's a, or I just forget. Like you're speaking of Resident Evil Three, and I was like, oh yeah. I was just telling my significant other um, the other day. Um, I don't remember what brought it up. Um, but uh, I was going into like my game closet and I was like just looking through the games. Oh, I think I was looking for a copy of R Type Delta. Mm-hmm. I was checking out one of our. Um, God, I'm such a horrible person for going on so many tangents. Um, <laughs> uh, local GameStop because I was talking to them on Facebook because um, I wanted to see if they're open. And I was like, damn, I can't wait to go back and like go buy some games for them. Um, mm-hmm. and I was it's fair game in um, Carmichael, California. So. Uh, I was talking to them online and um, on Facebook, and I really wanted to go and buy some games, you know. And they're like, "Oh, we have our online portal." It's like, dude, I didn't even know you had an online sh- site. Awesome. So mm-hmm. uh, I saw they had R Type Delta, and I was like, "Do I even have that?" Like, it, I was like, "Do I have to ask myself that?" It's horrible. But I have to ask myself, if I have a game. So I went down and looked through, you know, combed through my PlayStation games. I didn't have it, so I was like, "Oh man, I should buy it." And uh, I saw that I had Resident Evil Three still sealed on PS One. I was like, oh, yeah, I never got to this game. Like, I played through 1 and 2 on the OG PlayStation, and then I guess there, there's some games that I just I have that I just forget to open. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. So now they're, like, cool collector's items to me. <laughs> uh, but uh, going back to the pre-order thing, it's just, you know, it made sense. It really did. You know, there's no reason to hold on to, to a full deposit. If people want to put a full deposit down, they totally can. Um, but, you know, it comes at a, it, it came at a right time, you know, don't we don't need to be holding on to all that money right now anyway so if you if you you want to throw down five bucks throw down five bucks it makes every it makes it easier and helps us reach you know numbers to get these things to into production i mean if i was going to put it in marketing speak i would say it's all about reducing friction you know what makes it hard to order tying up people's money let's not tie up their money what makes it hard to order well they're not really sure if the game is coming well, okay, well, let's just, because we got nothing to hide, you know, go full Monty here and show our internal product tracking system. Check it out. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, what makes it hard to order? Shipping. Well, okay, well, we've worked really hard to lower our shipping costs. Mm-hmm. We're moving to flat rate shipping. We haven't been able to implement it yet on everything, but we're moving towards it. You know, what makes it hard to order? Um, well, we don't see... Um, clear screenshots. Great. So we revamped all that. We know that great screenshots. You know, what makes it hard to order? Oh, um, it's really confusing to enter your information. Fine. We'll fix that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to go on my own very quick tangent. And go say, for it. I, I read an amazing book. It's called The the, Any, the Everything Store. Uh, the Anything Store. And it's about, this is a story of Amazon, written mm-hmm. by a great access chef, Bezos. Um, highly recommend it. But one of the things that really strikes you very, very early on is the extent to which that amp, that organization is about the customer. You know, from the earliest meetings, you know, Jeff Bezos would insist that he was not screwing around. He meant it. And if you don't want to do it, then maybe you don't want to work there. That mm-hmm. you, know, you have a meeting, you have an empty chair at the table. And that empty chair was for the customer. And even if there's no one sitting in it, you got to remember that that's where the customer sat. Um, and you know, I'm, we're certainly not Amazon, we're certainly not Jeff Bezos, but that's the right kind of thinking. It all has to start and end with the customer. And if you can take care of the customer, everything else is going to take care of itself. Mm. Yeah. 
And, and you know, since we we're on the topic, I wanted to ask about uh, the core values of physicality games and the physicality guarantee. Like, uh, let's let's dive into it. Okay. Um, well, it's core values are I mean quality. Obviously, great games, no filler, and the highest quality deluxe editions on the market. And in all honesty, I think we've achieved that. Community, you know, that's shared gaming interests, find friends. Um, you know, just go to our site, physicalitygames.com, and click on the community tab. Um, charity and kindness. And that one is a little squishier, but mm-hmm. uh, charity is really simple. Go to physicality, buy a game. Pick any, pick a charity you like, and our database has a million and a half. That's not a, that's an exaggeration. It's not an exact number. It's something like a million and a half charities in it. Um, mm-hmm. And we will, from our own pocket, give a percent of sales to that. Um, mm-hmm. And then kindness, and that's an attitude. Um, there's no way we can, you know, buck, pack it up and measure it. But we've just heard too many horror stories or experienced too many horror stories about um, sort of physical edition publishers kind of take their customers for granted. You know, mm-hmm. CD case came broken, not our problem. Uh, oh, you didn't receive yeah. your case? Well, I think you probably did. I think you're probably lying, so I'm not going to help you. You know, whatever it is. And it's like, no, these are your customers. Um, you have to treat them as such. Um, yeah. Those are pretty much our values. Yeah, and that, that whole thing, I mean, it doesn't, the customer service thing applies to I mean, everything. I mean, not just mm-hmm. video games. Got it so wide. It's just... And I've seen so many and experienced myself as a consumer, a customer, you know, so many negative like responses to customer service. It's just like, or you walk into a, a retail store, it's just like, wait, like you can't price matches. You can't, re- you know, uh, you can't return this. Why? It's just like the responses you would get. It's just, no, yeah. I'm not having it. Like, and, and <laughs> like you know, we're completely not like that. Like, you know, in our, in our, or terms of service or FAQs, like, do we accept returns? No, but, you know, are there exceptions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like if people reach out to us and ask for a refund or something on, yeah, chances are we'll probably grant it to you. If it's a not like a, um, oh, I've sat my elbow down and hit order, add to cart, hit order. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, some people have, like, said, hey, you know, I'm a little more financially strapped. This whole thing hit me right now really hard. Yeah, give you a refunder, or like, hey, my slip case or my cover sheet came ripped in a game. Would we give them a, a send out a new one in a heartbeat for sure? Um, I mean, there's no reason not to. It's like, what, what cost? What cost you a dollar in five minutes? Is you know, um, someone who could just go on online or something, and and you just give them a warm feeling, like a welcome feeling, and that you know that ties back into community. Um, and I, I, that's that's the kind of the vibe I wanna I wanna have come from us. Um, and what I'm really shooting for. So, absolutely. I mean, I would just go on and say, you know, you look at the retail. There's only two kinds of retailers that are succeeding. You can either go to the very, very bottom and offer really lousy, really good prices, really lousy everything else. That kind of works. You know, mm-hmm. Dollar General, for example, Dollar General, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go, you know, Amazon, Costco, Nordstroms. And, you know, between the two, I know which one I'd rather be. I know which one I'd rather shop at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah all, the, all three of those are, you know, awesome customer service. Like, how many times do you see people, like, tell, like, oh, Nordstrom's returns anything or Costco returns anything or Amazon, you know. 
and look how much more business they pull in too. It's just a tiny amount. I mean, those are, those are success stories. So, you know, if you're trying to sell commodity goods for the very, very, very cheapest price, you can kind of sort of maybe not, Mm -hmm. but that's not what we're about. It's not what we want to do. And it's not suitable for our audiences. We're selling an experience. We're selling a hobby. We're selling fun. Um, it better be a good experience, start to finish. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Would you guys mind speaking on like physicality gives and how purchases may go to five hundred one C three of the purchases choice? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, you got it. You can do it. All right. <laughs> Tag team. Um, yeah, so and I think you have a, uh, a URL yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we uh, kind of adopted one of the biggest things we started like almost initially uh, with physicality was was charity. I mean, before it was even called physicality, um, you know, the very very infantile stages of the site, charity was always uh, always a big uh, a big feature that we wanted to include, um, and we didn't want to. You know, this comes from. Um, largely borrowed from Humble Bundle. Like, I loved what they did. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I was such a strong supporter of that. And, uh, you know, God, for the longest time, every time a new Humble Bundle popped up, I was like, poof, I was yeah. there in a heartbeat. Um, and it was cool to support, like, all the different charities they had. And, and you learn about so many different charities, too. Um, so charity was always a big aspect to it. So we kind of, you know, worked through it and figured out how do we do charity with physicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of came from like, you know, we don't want to ask the customer or the fan to to come to to come to us then to, you know, get for us to um, ask them to give more money. Um, you know, it's like, no, we need to be doing it. Like we need to be the ones that are giving giving a charity on their behalf. Um, so they select the charity. Um, so, we're, you know, we partnered with Shopping Gives um, and then we have now we have access to like one point five million or however many million 501c3 charities. Um, so they're all, you know, legitimate organizations, nonprofits. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you pre-order a game from us now, you can you see a little widget, just kind of like to the right to the add a cart button, um, and you can go in there and select a, either you know one of three of our featured charities, and those rotate um, like you know every every other week we'll rotate them. Uh, right now, uh, there should be a two times multiplier. So kind of it's like a, like a how a Call of Duty or whatever those you know shooters have like double engines. Yeah. Um, we can do that with our charities. And so right now as a part of the grand opening, we're, you know, we're doing a two-time charity multiplier. So if you select one of our, our featured charities, um, then, you know, we'll donate twice the amount. Um, so it was, it was always a big thing for us to, to have our own kind of charitable aspect and not ask the customer to donate, not ask mm-hmm. our partners to donate, but have it come straight from us. So it's like, you know, if you feel strongly about something, um, you know, donate to that cause, let us, you know, let us pull out of our pockets and donate to that cause for you. So that's what we're, you know, and we're reaching out to, you know, um, press and content creators and influencers and, you know, if they feel strongly about charities, um, you know, we'll have, happily provide them one. So their, their charities are, you know, readily accessible to their audience too. That's something that they feel strong about. Awesome. 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 And, you know, winding down to the last couple of questions and being incredibly respectful for you guys' time. Hey, thank um, you. My God. Incredibly generous with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so one of the things I'm curious about um, for for both of you, like in both of your roles as you know, president and CEO uh, Bill Schwartz, and as yours as marketing manager David, what is like a well, I guess 
prior to COVID-19 and post COVID-19, like what is like a day to day like for each of you in your roles? You want me to start? Yeah, because I'm, I'm super curious to see what you're going to say first. Yeah. <laughs> it's really challenging. I mean, sometimes um, our cook puts breakfast out on the veranda. Sometimes the maid puts it in the formal dining room. Sometimes mm. we eat it in the dining kitchen and sometimes in the breakfast nook. So I like never know where my next meal is coming from. <laughs> I know. This is why I asked you to go first. I figured you um, It's a Friday, and I just do not have enough blood. I have too much blood in my caffeine system right now. Um, it, it varies a little bit. Um, even before COVID-19, we were largely working from home, although I mm -hmm. have workspaces down the street that I try to go into once or twice a week, um, mm -hmm. although much less than that. Um, but... If, I, if I'm going to make up a typical day, um, you know, I get up um, in, in the old days up until March. You know, I had a gym I went to. I was always there for a 6 a.m. class. That's now a distant memory. So I now have a mat in our guest room. Mm -hmm. You know, do that, shower. Um, you know, what's that? You're getting detailed. Yeah, it's maybe too detailed. Shower, you know, I... I, I <laughs> actually a bad habit probably, but I always just scan my email and say, are there any emergencies? Is there anything going on right now? Especially in Japan because of the time difference that mm -hmm. you know, requires me to drop everything and just deal with it. So mm -hmm. emergency scan. Um, from there, if I'm being smart and disciplined, I'll look at the gaming sites. Um, we um, From there, gosh, this is where it really gets sort of messed up. Um, Occasionally, I'll actually play a game, you know, before nine. Um, mm -hmm. So whatever random stuff happens, then from nine to 12, you know, usually there's, I do a lot of sort of salesy stuff and a lot of mm -hmm. type stuff. So there's usually two or three phone calls. Sometimes there's a Zoom meeting. Um, lunch, afternoon, frequently, I'm probably talking to David at least once in the morning, usually more than that. Um, we also have a Discord system. I sometimes just mute it because if you're not careful, it can turn into an endless all-day meeting you yep. know, agenda. And I, I, with you know great strength, it took for me to close it. Actually, just so while we're doing this, I don't want to blip a bunch. Yeah, um, it's, it's just it's really useful in semi real time. It can get a bit distracting. Um, afternoon, I hate to say it's more of the same, but it's all it's different every day. Um, you know, I try to spend time not reacting to email or, you know, administrivia, but strategically thinking, you know, where should we head in? What are the things that really matter? You mm -hmm. know, sometimes I do that. Often I don't. I mean, to be a perfect leader, you know, you should really be able to focus on that, something I'm working on. Um, we have a staff meeting um, Mondays through Fridays, Mondays through Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Don't do Fridays, because Friday is Saturday in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, I'm off the hook today. What's that? Then I'm off the hook today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and after that, often there's a Japan meeting because of the time difference, and that's at six. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I've really answered your question, because everybody's a bit different. 
But that's sort of a fairly typical day. In the old days, when, especially when we were doing a lot of retail stuff, I was probably on an airplane close to once a month. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, just go out, you know, fly to Grapevine and meet GameStop or, you know, go to Arkansas, see Walmart or whatever. And that was always really good. Also, um, meeting with developers, used to do that in person a fair amount, mm-hmm. um, often domestic, although we have used to do a bunch of stuff in Poland um, and, of course, a bunch of stuff in Japan. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure all this interview will end and I'll be like, oh, my God, I could have had a V8. I mean, oh, my God. I'm sure this cool thing. But, I mean, I guess the short answer is this, it's a mix of trying to come up with new stuff um, talking to my friends at the company and managing events as they happen. Ideally, mm-hmm. you're always going to be more proactive than reactive in reality, especially at a small company um, where you know it's not like the art director um, comes gets 15 minutes of time for the manage of the marketing manager's time, and the marketing manager makes a selection based on the three options the art director presented, and then presents two of those to the boss, and he picks that one. You know, mm. Steve Jobs loved to do that. It's like, look, guys, I want you to put five versions on my desk and I'll pick which one. That's the way he kind of operated. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, we don't do that. You know, we sit around saying, well, can we have that in orange mauve? And what if you made it square? Mm-hmm. Uh, God, that's so me. <laughs> well, you brilliant. So yeah. anyway, I, I don't know if that's an adequate answer, but that's kind of what it is. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Um, yeah, see, Bill has... I, I give Bill the advantage of of uh, playing a, a game in the morning because my ass wakes up a little late. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do, I do sleep sometimes. Um, I'm jealous. When I, when I, yeah. When I'm, and if I'm blinking a lot, I'm sorry. I just realized I've been blinking like 90 times a minute because I have a fan on in here because it's hot up in the sack. But um, oh. the air is keep getting in my eyes, and I'm like, man, I hope people don't think I'm lying about what I'm talking about or something. Like, <laughs> a lot. Is that like a tell? It's just like I have a fan in the room, and I keep blinking because the air is being forced in my eyes. But um, oh, oh, yeah, I actually had to cut on the air conditioning because, like, I not only is it hot, it's also I have the spotlight on, so I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, I realize like, I look like a freaking ghost compared to you guys, like with those lights. <laughs> oh, I never get out. I never I, like my car battery dies because I don't actually get to like drive anywhere anymore now, or I never leave the house. Um, and largely in part, we've been so hard at work on everything. Uh, I mean, like no BS. <laughs> like mm-hmm. my car. How many times has my car battery died now, Bill? Like the last year. Like it's I just buy you a trickle charger. I, I have one. I have one. I just I always forget to like. Uh, um, I'm a big car dude too. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I love my Mazda. She's my garage queen. But uh, um, she never. I, I, it's like I put so much money and time into this car that I don't even drive it. That I don't even drive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like I like making her powerful and strong. But then I'm like, oh, I don't want to take you out on the road yet, my baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, the car battery will die. It's, uh, God damn it. Anyway, um, the day to day stuff. Um, so same day. Yeah. I mean, I, I usually wind up staying up super, super, super late. Um, mm-hmm. and there was a time when, you know, we we're working, uh, diligently on like home sweet home and arcade islands and, um, uh, heavy fire and stuff where it made sense to stay up late. Um, cause then if, if Mika had a question or something, we could answer it like right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then we could talk to uh, YGG, who, the developers, um, oh my God, these people are so talented, uh, behind home sweet home. Um, 
just a little backstory. They were what are they an ad agency or something? Or they're they uh, creative, creative design for ads and commercials. Well, they're an animation house, basically high-end animation that does a lot of commercial work. But basically, if it's Asian and it's really good and it's animated, very good chance it came out of YG. Like Toyota commercials and stuff like. Whoa. And I guess they're one of the directors was a really really big fan or is a really big fan of uh, Silent Hill and Resident Evil and. He's like, let's make a game. So that's how they made Hor uh, Home Sweet Home. But um, nice. yeah. Um, anyway, so day to day stuff. Uh, it's kind of just like uh, you know, get up around um, nine. Actually, get my coffee. Um, start my day, and I'll usually do kind of the same thing Bill does. I'll try to check. I'll try to be avid about checking email. But usually, I have ninety Discord pings by then, so I'll try to check Discord. Um, also, um, so go come through the emails. Come through Discord. Check the socials um, and trying to pull myself away from that a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. I love interacting with people on social media, but at the same time, it's a blessing and a curse. Like I, I yeah. kind of, I'm kind of. There's so much auxiliary stuff going on that I can't be trying to look at everything and conquer everything all at once. Um, so you know, we we're, we're picking up socials. By the way, um, social activity on, from us is going to be uh, a lot more uh, robust. Um, engaged, um, responsive. Um, not that we haven't been yet, but we're doing it to, you know, we're going to put it to the nines, to the tens. Um, but yeah, go through, go through email and then discord. And we, you know, we usually, Bill and I usually touch base, um, every day, uh, around, you know, 10 or 11 or so, um, mm -hmm. we have our daily meetings towards, uh, four, everything in between, you know, we'll kind of use our project management board, um, uh, our online project management service tool. We'll go through that, um, and that's kind of the uh, the definitive spot, so stuff doesn't get lost in in you know the hail of Discord tweets or posts, because um, it's so easy to do. Uh, I mean, you could pin messages till your eyes bleed, but um, you know when 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 we do see something that's really important or needs is like demands a bigger discussion, we'll put it up on on our project management uh, board um, and discuss it there, you know, or or me coming through email and tr extracting items from that, throwing them up on the project management board. But, um, you know, then taking a, then taking a step back at some point in the day, I think is a necessity and, you know, kind of taking a look at, you know, what did I get done today? What could I have gotten done now? What do I need to put on my, uh, on my plate? Like first and foremost tomorrow. Um, and that can be challenging when there's so much to do. Like, and I'm a, I'm a social stickler for, um, for detail, so and and mm -hmm. you know and working in Photoshop and stuff that I shouldn't be doing, but I always get roped into doing because you know I do find it fun. Am I the best? Hell no, not even by a, like a long stretch. Uh, you know, am I the best at Photoshop or something? But um, you know, you have to gauge your time in the day and then you know tack, tack it on to is is me making a mock up of something you know to show our artist worth my time. Um, and then how much time should I be spending doing it? Um, you know, can I do it and get it done in like 20 minutes and then knock it out, send it to our artist and done. So um, you, you do, I, I do find myself wearing a lot of hats, like literally and well, not literally, but um, I do find myself wearing a lot of hats at times. And then you, it's, it's just like, you have to pull yourself out and kind of look, look at the, the pick, the bigger picture and be like, should I be doing this stuff? Um, can, can any of this, this stuff be delegated out and, um, you know, working at a PR agency, that's certainly not a skill um, that they teach you. I mean, it's, you know, 
talking to the press and then getting review mm -hmm. codes out and you know building those relationships and stuff but the the actual bigger picture stuff that uh, you know my eyes have really been open to uh, or open to working with bill uh has just been you know and i'm eternally grateful for that it's just astounding i mean learning about uh, just you know the bigger picture operation type things with that go on with publishers um that you know a lot of people and customers fans whatever don't realize happen um it's just crazy the amount of detail and the amount of work um that goes into some of this stuff that's why uh and i'll, I'll mention one final thing here um, um there was there's a publisher um dispatch um i'll just mm -hmm. I'll put them out there that um you know i guess a lot of people were upset with because they weren't you know giving uh, their customers updates people were ordering games um and they were from they're kind of local they're from california i picked up one of their games a while back in gamestop and i was like wow they're from like i looked on the back of the box and i'm like wait where are they from wow they're from the bay area like mm -hmm. and this little town like that was just kind of outside the barrier and it's like wow i thought a publisher would be there um you know and I, I they picked up a couple of cool games like radergy and i was like dude that's a really cool shmup you know like that's awesome good for you guys um and you know there is a lot of people getting super hyper pissed because they're not communicating. And I understand when you're holding on to people's money and you're not talking to customers. Mm -hmm. uh, like, where the hell's my game? You know, I, I I put my trust in you. You need to put your trust in you know, in, in, or you need to turn around and deliver the product I bought, the game I bought. Um, and so they weren't they weren't communicating. But you know, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm just like you know, there's so much going on behind the scenes, especially mm -hmm. the whole pandemic thing. Um, it's really tough to paint things so black and white, you know, and just, mm -hmm. they said they were going to come out with an update. Um, and, you know, in a day, we'll have an update for everybody on what's been going on, uh, which they did, you know, but I was just trying to, there was like one positive comment somebody threw up said like, it's cool. You know, uh, we believe you want you to succeed. And I latched onto that. I was like, that person's cool. I was like, that dude's awesome. Like, you know, it's somebody who has faith and like understands that things happen. Um, will that same, Will that same motto and mindset be applied to physicality? New. No. Um, I mean, we're very, we're, you know, transparent. We're trying to communicate as much as humanly possible. Um, I mean, our community manager right now, she's working on like bite-sized digests of all, everything that went into like our production, uh, our update for the grand opening. Mm -hmm. Like we have like this huge laundry list of stuff we went through and fixed and changed and updated, revised. Um, you know, but you can't expect everybody to go look at a wall of text. You know, so yeah. we're, we're breaking those down into little bite size, um, as she calls them, snacks um, mm -hmm. for people to just check out on Twitter and look at or Facebook. Um, but yeah, the, the communication and all the things that go into the day to day workings, it's just there's a lot and it does change day to day. It's absolutely crazy. Um, so there you go. Another long winded response from yours truly. I dig it. I dig it. So uh, I got two more questions for you guys, and um, forty more minutes of responses from you. Nah, <laughs> I'm fine with it. See, this these are the kind of kind of conversations my audience absolutely loves. So it's like, and and I'll give you a, a bit of context. Like, I won't name the voice actress, but there's a very prominent voice actress I had on my show, and that podcast was like pulling teeth. She didn't want to talk. And it was as much as I was trying to be like nice and like, oh, so how'd you get into it? Oh, I did this, this, and this. I was like, okay, and can I have a little more? Do you mind talking? And it was probably the most 
anticipated voice acting interview I was supposed to have last year and the most critically panned episode I've ever done with my audience incredibly angry. Uh, so the fact that you guys are energetic, you're talking, I'm so happy. The audience is going to be so happy. Well, is bored for my responses. I, I make sure that they have an interesting show. Huh? You do two things. First off, you make sure that the people participating in the reality show can't eat. Keep them really hungry. Then get them really <laughs> drunk. Then put them in a actual situation. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> That's why shows like Big Brother, literally, they make yeah. sure guys don't have access to food for 12 hours, and they'll make sure the refrigerator has wine and beer in it. And that's the <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I, but, but honestly, though, I do appreciate you guys like being energetic and, and, and just answering questions, so stop saying long-winded. I'm for oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so much easier to do, too, when you're not you know typing out an email or something, of course, but yeah, um, I'm not always like this, so... So one of the questions I, I did have from one of my um, one of my audience members was for like, I guess what, you know, when it comes to I sure you're as competitors, there's issues that comes with like, I guess, scalping and dealing with scalpers and what is physicality games's approach to dealing with like scalping market? Cause I'm not sure really there is, is there really a combative measure for that or. You make enough games, no artificial scarcity. Okay. There, that's one of the things that was really, really difficult for us to address. Um, and you know, we are active in, you know, Facebook groups and, and not mm. just like ours. I mean, other, you know, collector groups and stuff in Discord. Um, and the, I believe there's a Switch Collectors Discord group that's run by uh, the Special Reserve guys. Um, mm -hmm. Super awesome. Like, if you want to buy, you know, physical games, Special Reserve, you know, they're, they're super awesome. Well, I, I respect for those guys. Yeah. And they have really kick ass packaging. Like, I mean, that is something to strive for. Their packaging is radical. Like, um, but um, you know we're active in all these other communities, and one of the the, the main feedback points we received was, um, you know, what's the motivator? What's the driver? You know, you guys are trying to to combat scalping. You guys are mm -hmm. trying to combat the secondhand market. You know, what's the what's if you're, if everything is unlimited, uh, what's the motivator to order? Um, and the answer to that was like, okay, well, let's do this. We don't want to limit our games. Like that was never the intention. Um, but what can we? Um, you know, drive add a little motivator while pushing toward the goal to get games printed. Um, and that response was, okay, well, let's limit the deluxe editions. So and that's the the steel book, the goods, but not the game. Um, mm -hmm. So the whole collective unit um, as a piece is like a, a set piece, if you will. You know, it's a it's like if you're going to buy like a, a figure or whatever, it's like there's only 500 of this variant or whatever made. It's kind of like that. So. Um, you know the deluxe editions are are going to be limited to 3,500 pieces on Switch, 2,500 on PS4. Um, but the games we don't ever really want to limit the games, and we'll continue mm -hmm. doing our standard edition. You know, just game by itself, or game with tin, the, the collector tin, um, for as long as we see a viable option to. Um, and then couple that, you know, 
have coupled that with a five dollar deposit on you know any game and you know you just open the doors to people hopefully like wanting to just blow through them and then when you when you do pass that goal like guess what you're left with an, a game that you can print up anytime um mm-hmm. you can you know it's coming from a legitimate source you're not paying two three times the markup on it and you get yeah. your game still so you know and, and like i like when i was, we were talking about gamestop earlier and you get like a game that's not open or you get their gutted copy like it's like okay, well, when you used to be able to go into stores and ask i'd always be at the counter and be like can you check a couple of the stores around the area and if they all see like one in stock you know it's going to be the gutted copy so you're like ah, shit, fine i'll just buy this one um but yeah we don't we, we just never believed in it you know we it's not something that was in our blood uh, in our, our pat we weren't passionate about you know the the fear of missing out like i know that's a strong motivator but you know, hell or high water. I just don't believe it. I, you know, I think that's just kind of a a bummer. Like being, yeah. but wanting a game and not being able to get it. Yeah. It it definitely creates that, you know, that artificial scarcity, and it it's case in point. There was a collector's I wanted to get for Streets of Rage, and I wasn't able to get it. <laughs> one of the other five versions that apparently just surfaced like after yeah and and that was there was a huge blow up about that because even i was like wait i didn't know i thought only that company was doing that and then come to find out (laughs) it's like oh okay all right well i appreciate that i appreciate that you guys are 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 willing to answer because i i wasn't too sure i was like no, is that too controversial? But I, I, I like that you guys came out the gate and just was like, there we go. <laughs> I will say, I sometimes feel like we got punished for it. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, so first off, it was from moment one, sort of a theology thing. It's like mm-hmm. no scarcity. You know, we, we really believed in that and we still do. But there is no doubt that... Um, artificial scarcity sells games. I mean, people Mm -hmm. who will go out in order because they know they're not going to be available. Um, And I don't regret the decision not to do that. You know, as I said, from a theology point of view, we we really believe if you want the game, you should be able to play it, period. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a business point of view, it was a really hard thing to do. And, you know, we, we feel we're still dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll be I'll be 100 blunt blunt personally. Like, if the site goes down for whatever reason, if it doesn't work, you know, yeah, well, we stand by the fact that we try to you know answer the people's qualms and issues with you know fear of missing out, false scarcity, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah we'll stand by that to the you know we'll go down with the ship. You know, yeah, but, down until COVID twenty, which is successor to COVID nineteen. Already takes us down. But yeah, well, you know, we'll stand by that until the day the day we die. Like, yeah. you know, we, yeah, the okay. only thing that I want people missing out on or whatever is a deluxe edition. Like, you know, race to get those. Cool. Um, I don't want people having to break their necks or mash their mouse buttons or change their IPs or whatever just to try to get a game. That's just not what we believe in at all. Okay. And the the last question I have for you guys is like when it comes to. Uh, you know, marketing and whatnot, like how often do you guys are, or how often are you looking to work with like, you know, content creators, brand ambassadors, or 
influencers uh, to partner up with uh, Physicality Games. And is there anything you personally are looking for uh, in influencers or content creators? I'm really hungry. Anyone that brings cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, because Bill still can't find his breakfast from this morning. Yeah, I know. No, no. The short uh, is yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we are really, we are absolutely, we, we are huge believers philosophically, at least I am, that all the world's problems can be solved by reasonable conversations between reasonable people. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, we're looking for new brands all the time. Um, we've built this incredible platform. Um, we're always interested in stuff to put on it. And we're always interested in ways to, you know, share the stage with other people. So yes, the short answer is yes, absolutely. Cookies are a plus, but they're not required. <laughs> Cookies, oh, man. Um, yeah, to, to add on um, to that, um, I've always been in the mindset, and this comes from uh, traditional kind of PR upbringing, that, um, well, I shouldn't say that, actually, because this is completely, like, opposite of what a lot of other PR agencies and, uh, um, and PR managers, directors, whatever do. Um, mm. I've never shied away from giving a key or a game to somebody who was, who, who wanted it, who, who wanted to support, uh, whatever I was working on or had my hand, you know, was representing. Mm. Um, I think a lot of that shows in, you know, and down the line, you never know who these people are going to turn out to be. If, if you're a, a, a YouTube influencer or an aspiring YouTube content creator or whatever, um, and you want to become this big influencer, this massive impact, um, but you have only 51 subscribers. I don't care. Yeah. You want a key? Cool. Take a key. Like, uh, I'd rather have, um, content to, to put on our, our socials or share with our client than, than, um, see now I'm boring, Bill, um, than nothing at all, you know? Uh, and that's, it, it just shows in your, your relationship building at the same time. And then later down the line, you know, will those people come back to you to remember you for it? Totally. They definitely will. Um, I was chatting with somebody the other day who sent me a Twitter DM. Um, they were telling me about like, oh, you guys should check out this game, blah, blah, whatever. Um, and like out of nowhere, they just they, they just said like, oh, you know, and thank you for being so supportive. Over the, or I, I told them that. I was like, hey, you know, thanks for the support and really cool input and feedback ideas. He's like, no, thank you for, you know, just considering me for review key like way back when, whatever. And I was just like, yeah, of course. You know, it's like if you're hungry for coverage, it's why would why would I try to bark up the biggest tallest building when I can just go next door to you know to get a sandwich when I can go next door to the mom and pop shop and be like all right cool here's you know get it from there. Um, yeah. That's a terrible analogy, but um, like the point <laughs> is, I've all, I've always been you know open to give people keys or open to working with whomever wants to work with. There's zero size requirement for me. Um, I, like last night, somebody came to me and asked me for a rolling rolling gunner key. I saw they're a big shmup fan on on Twitter. Um, and they even had like a, uh, one of the games, uh, a shmup game in their avatar or picture image, whatever. Um, and they asked like, Hey, you know, could I possibly get a key to, I know I'm not, you know, a big, big influencer, a big, you know, whatever, a big impact. Um, and what have they done since? Like, like before I went to bed, I checked Twitter and like, they were already like putting up video clips of them playing expert mode and shit. And I was like, see, that's the kind of coverage I want. I, that I, my, my, Bet horrible ass that shmups couldn't get. They're like streaming expert mode. I'm just like, wait, let me get this straight. You just captured the screenshot with like a zillion bullets on the screen. You dodging them like, and, <laughs> like, 
thank you for making that for me. I'm gonna say that. Um, no, but you know, that's awesome. Like I love, and it's reciprocal, you know, that comes around, they give you, uh, you know, they show their support. Um, and you know, you work, sometimes you work up from there then you take it to the bigger buildings and be like, oh, well, look at the sweet deal I got from um, the small mom and pop shop, you know? Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, um, always looking for, or for um, to work with, you know, new outlets, uh, new influencers, new content creators, um, even um, someone on Twitter. Like, you know, if you have a small following, um, if we have, you know, an ample amount of keys, which, you know, aren't unlimited, unless you're Steam, you could get whatever the hell you want. But, yeah. um, you know, you, you do have a set amount of keys that you receive from PlayStation, from Sony, from Microsoft, from Nintendo. But yeah, you know, keys don't cost anything, really, in the grand scheme of things. So always happy to work with anybody of any size. Yeah. I know I'll say for myself, you know, with uh, how I am personally with when it, I work with companies, because, like I've been a content creator doing YouTube for, for about four, almost five years. And, you know, I remember when I had five subscribers and a company took the chance and, you know, I got to be very grateful to NIS America because they're the first company to take a chance on me and give me a review code. And I still have a very strong working relationship with them now. And it's just, it opens so many doors. And I understand you know, and fostering relationships with the different industries and, and different companies. And for me, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a hard ass on other creators about this, especially if I ever refer a creator to a company that I've worked with or a creator or a company that I've established a relationship with. And it's that there is a strong level of trust when a company decides to pick you out of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other creators, they pick you to give you a code to work with you. You have to cherish that, appreciate that, and give it your all. Even if it's a game you may not like, be respectful. Like for me, no matter what, you know, I'm shocked this year I'm able to do stuff with Microsoft and Nintendo and Sony you know, and, and to work my way to that. But even with other companies that I work with, I'm so like, it, it's it's humbling. You know, every time uh, I get the PR email or, hey, hey, Mikhail, you want to review this game? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I'd love to. Like, it's, it's for me, like even having you guys on the show, being able to work with you guys, it, it's something I take very seriously. And I'm very honored for the opportunity. And I'm like I said, I'm known as a hard ass on other people. They're like, oh, I'll review it or I'll do this when I feel like it. No, respect that relationship you have with the company. So, yeah. Yeah, and, then, and then it's cool. Then, you know, all these doors open for you and you get to look back at, uh, at Nice America or Nice and just be like, hell yeah. And you have that like spot in your heart for them now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's always, all I've always felt about just pretty much anybody who comes to me who wants to, who shows interest, a genuine interest. Um, I mean, oftentimes I might, you know, check their, if it's a website, I'll check their site mm-hmm. to see if they are covering the news. Cause then I kind of have a, a feeling that, okay, yeah, there is genuine interest here. They are showing their support by covering mm-hmm. us and then asking for a key. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's really awesome. I totally fully agree and understand exactly where you're coming from there. I would say our philosophy is we're all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Definitely. And um, actually, Light, I actually have one final question for you guys. Yes, sir. Did you have fun? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Way to wind up a very long week. I was just going to say that same thing. I just want to come to Hawaii and hang out, buy you a drink, you know, whatever. No, this has been awesome. I feel like we had fun. We talked, made new friends. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> awesome. I want to find his breakfast this morning that the maid had. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the problem was the maid and the cook. And the butler really weren't coordinating with the catering service. Uh, top wife. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, and I should, by the way, also thank you for listening to my dumb jokes. I love my dumb jokes, and I never get an audience for them. So. Yeah. Nah. yeah they're, start, they're starting to repeat with me now. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. Is there anything you guys would love to uh, leave with the audience before we go? Um, I would just say, are you our elf? physicalitygames.com. Um, check us out. Um, Rolling Gun, which is an amazing, amazing game. Um, Guilty Gear. I mean, how much more classic can you get? And it's both the first game and the last game in the series combined into one. Well, the first game and, uh, and the last game in the 2D sprite-based. Right, in the 2D version. Yeah, absolutely. Together with some, if you get the luxury, some cool figurines. And then, of course, you can see David's flag behind you, Slayaway Camp. Mm-hmm ultimate slasher game yep. um, yeah, yeah, so, uh, we'd really appreciate your business we could really use your help and support yeah. I know I, I pre-ordered uh, your Guilty Gear I'm a huge Guilty Gear fan I have been with the series since 1998 with the first entry oh, wow. and I'm one of the testers for Strive so I am oh. I've been eyeing so, the fight stick behind you Oh, I have a I have a whole row. Like oh, I have four. Yeah, it's like one, two, three, four, five. I got two in the other room. Damn, kick down. <laughs> and I have about six sitting here on this on my shelf. Wow. Okay, so I was thinking about just building my own recently because I was like, ah, you know, this should be kind of fun, but I might have to talk to you about this kind of stuff. Hey, let me know. It depends on like uh, what you're looking for. Uh, Samoa, Hayabusa's. Are uh, you in like what type of restrictor gate? We we can talk about all of that. <laughs> yeah, we're on. I will uh, come to you for that stuff then. Definitely, definitely, and yeah. Um, that being said, uh, this is a show. If you guys uh, hope you guys all enjoyed listening to and watching it, you can catch this episode of the Casanova Podcast along with every other episode uh, on. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, and also on yeah, iHeartRadio. I should be reading it off because it's right there. I always forget. It's right there. iHeartRadio as well. You can also catch it in live format every single week on Twitch and YouTube. And if you want to support the podcast, we do have Patreon, uh, which you know helps go into better production of the show, more advertising, all the other stuff that goes. I guess. No, podcasting is not easy. So every bit helps whatever you guys invest in me. I reinvest into the show because I really believe every dollar counts. And I, I really, and honestly, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without you guys uh, that have been supporting me and my wife with this journey we've been on. And um, yeah, that being said. What better time to support the content you love that right now, man? I mean, like help everybody out. It's It's such an important time for everyone every little dollar does count so definitely definitely and with that being said it's myself bill and david we are signing out you guys have a great one
Hey, did you enjoy this episode of the Casanova Podcast? Well, I'm sure you did. And since you did and you're wondering where else you can find it, you can find it on every podcasting outlet. Yes, it includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Launchpad DM by Podcast One, and so much more. And the only thing I ask of you is if you truly enjoyed it, even if you didn't enjoy it, please leave a rating and tell us what you thought of it, what you like, what you didn't like, and everything in between. And also, if you're looking for video formats of this podcast and many more, you'll be able to find them on youtube.com slash Casanova as well as on twitch.tv slash Casanova and new episodes every single Monday morning, 8 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. So, that being said, this is Mikhail Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber. I am signing out. You guys have a great one.